Welcome to episode number 154, My Ten Commandments of Mental Illness. I'm your host, Damon Soka. First of all, if you are enjoying these podcasts, please spread the word. Now today I'm going to get a little more practical in my approach. Today we are going to cover my 10 rules or 10 commandments for managing mental illness when you are a believing, practicing member of the church, and even if you aren't. Mental illness is tough within the confines of celestial covenants, but I can tell you it's even tougher without those covenants. Covenants provide power and connection to deity. They allow our Father and Savior to bring to bear all of their power in protecting, teaching, healing, and exalting. Covenants provide for one of the greatest powers, the power to converse directly with the Lord through prayer. Yes, everyone can pray and receive answers, but the gift of the Holy Ghost is one of the greatest powers we possess, and you only get that power when you are a member of the Lord's Church, and when you have taken upon yourselves that covenant of loyalty and fidelity. The Holy Ghost can bring to bear His gifts to help us move forward in the right direction. He also provides that power of protection from the evil one, especially when we have made temple covenants and we put on the holy garment. I read a quote the other day while studying for seminary from Elder Bednar, and you might also have seen it. He speaks of a continuous flow of revelation in incremental proportions that at times we don't even recognize or consciously feel. There is simply a power that flows into your life because of your covenants. Along with that covenant comes rules and commands that allow us to increase our power of the Spirit in our lives. Now, the power we receive will be in direct proportion to the obedience, heed, and faith or spiritual motivation that we give and allow into our lives. Now, we have discussed that the Lord does understand our illness perfectly, and with that perfect understanding, He can provide sufficient mercy to allow us to work through our terrible moments while still living the gospel. Our efforts may be reduced because of our weak body, but the Lord cares much more for the intent and the obedience than a certain number of chapters read every day in the Book of Mormon or the Bible. Yes, we must never run more than we have strength, but we don't stop running, even if our running might be slower than another's walking. Effort with the right attitude of faith is what the Lord requires, and He asks that we do not compare ourselves to others' efforts, because ultimately, we will be wrong 99% of the time. So what does running look like for someone who suffers mental illness? Again, we each will be a little different in our abilities and efforts, but I found some valuable personal insights that have helped me a great deal. So let's get started. Here's my first personal commandment. Put the past in the past. I put this one first because we have already discussed adherence to covenants and doing our best. We all do stupid things we would never have done if not for our illness. And unfortunately, our illness continuously reminds us of those stupid mistakes, errors, and embarrassments. There exists nothing more detrimental to mental health than to relive the past. So I am consistently vigilant about avoiding the past. Does it happen? Sure. But I have learned mental skills over time not to allow those emotions to continuously interrupt my present. It takes great effort and time, but the effort is certainly worth the reward. I've been asked how I do it. I really don't have the secret to this effort, I will admit. But knowing that the Lord is very merciful, especially to those who suffer, 
gives me a foundation upon which I stand. My second personal commandment, no other gods. In our search for cures, remedies, and happiness, we can tend to deviate from our solid foundation. We can tend to wander when symptoms get tough into the cultural shifting sands, even seek even seeking out help, especially in the world of therapy and treatment, we can accept some other gods into our lives that will rule over us. We should never deviate from the solid foundation, even when the solutions are temporarily working. Like I discussed in the last episode, short-term remedies are rarely from the Lord and often lead to long-term misery. When we search, for, search life for help, we should be careful to stay within the boundaries the Lord has set, he has set them for good reasons, and when we deviate from them, we tend to find out why. Personal commandment number three, run the race at your pace. Now this came out of the do not run faster than you have strength principle King Benjamin decreed. One of the reasons for our running faster than we have strength is our emotional tendency of comparison. We compare our lives to others and the race they are running, and we think that we need to be running the race at the same pace they are. Don't fall into this trap. We all run at a different pace in this world, and comparing my pace to another is actually very futile. The Lord's mercy is sufficient. Allow Him to set the pace and the distance you are required to run. Setting the pace and the distance through the abilities of another will only bring frustration and really a greater feeling of disappointment. Be happy with progress, even if that progress is very limited. Personal commandment number four, decide now that suicide will not be an option. You will not be able to make this choice so easily while you are descending into that chaotic state of emotional tornadoes. Making this choice up front and now will give you a greater ability to cast it off when Lucifer and his demons come calling during your episodes. In addition to this decision, work to avoid fixating on suicide as a solution. Suicidal thoughts are going to come into your mind, but you don't have to ask them to stay for dinner in the evening. This doesn't mean that you're going to be able to just cast them out. Suicidal thoughts are like bullies who turn up on every corner. You are not going to be able to just say, go away, and the bully's going to leave. You will have to fight the bully and learn methods to controlling these desires and emotions. Once they enter your mind and you entertain them at any length, they will always come easier the next time. Now, I have not personally noted this, but I have had these thoughts on irregular intervals with my illnesses, and that includes my current autoimmune diseases. But I've learned over time to stand up to the bully. This doesn't mean the thoughts leave, but they don't affect my actions. If you are now entertaining or planning your own suicide, then you may need a little help and reinforcement, or maybe a lot. Don't be scared to tell someone that you are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Well, telling the right someone. Don't let that bully win the contest. He may be there, but he doesn't have to rule your life or end it. Personal command number five. Find and keep a solid support network. It doesn't have to be large, and it can be a group therapy or other type of support, but find an understanding ear and keep them in your life. You need solid relationships here on the earth and in heaven to possess balanced mental health. We need people in our lives as relationships provide support emotionally and physically. We often need their energy, their ability to confirm inspiration from the Lord, 
their voice outside of our own emotions. They can keep us grounded and provide a perspective of reality outside of our illness that we desperately need. However, be careful in choosing these people as a poor choice can quickly lead in the opposite direction. That leads me to personal commandment number six. Do not mistake a tear for wheat. Wheat nourishes and provides for life. A tear injects poison, but they look identical. Over time, however, their efforts or their effects will become obvious. Because of our illness, we will always be prone to abusive relationships. Our mortal bodies and minds desire to be feel loved, to feel belonging and acceptance. And we will accept any tear that comes along looking like wheat at times. We will accept terrible amounts of abuse for just a kernel of real grain. Now abusers can look like wheat, taste somewhat like the wheat, and even contain a few good kernels, but they are poison in the long term. Abusers are short-term happiness with long-term misery. They are one of the short-term solutions we should avoid. They can come into our lives as sweet as honey, looking like the perfect bundle of wheat, but quickly their controlling methods will destroy our lives and lead to terrible management of our illness. These bullies and abusers will often use our illness as a form of control and power, which is what every abuser seeks. Often they are lacking control in their own lives, and that lack of control causes them to control others in terrible and demeaning ways. Avoid these people like the plague, even if they are in your own family. Commandment number seven. Be honest with yourself and the Savior. There is a tendency with all of us, even those who do not suffer, to bend the story to our advantage. Soft-pedal our weaknesses and promote our strengths. It's just part of our nature. But this dishonesty with oneself and with others will lead to lonely and dark roads. If abused, honesty is critical when fighting mental illness. There is nothing wrong with saying you had a bad day and don't know why. There is nothing wrong with telling the Lord that you are struggling deeply. What we are trying to combat is the tendency we all have to become what we are masking, to become full-time actors and actresses with our emotions. Living two lives is and always will be miserable. This doesn't mean that there doesn't exist a time and place for masking. Wearing our emotions on our shoulders is also exhausting for us and for everyone else. But continuously masking our emotions will drain us of our resources emotionally and physically and will cause our episodes to become deeper and more difficult to manage. We should seriously consider when and where we mask our emotions and limit our masking to times and place where it is most needed. We don't have to be the emotional superman for everyone in our life. And yes, even our children should understand that we suffer and we will have bad days, moments, and even bad weeks. You might be surprised just how understanding your children and family might be if you were to note that you are having a rough mental health day. Commandment number eight, find your miracles. Never give up on the Lord and what he can do in your life. Sometimes the reality of illness on a daily basis can make us feel that no miracle exists for us. Sometimes we are simply looking for the grand miracle of complete and lasting healing. Whatever the case, we should always carry the hope of a miracle in our lives, and we should recognize the small miracles that occur all the time. The Savior can help 
with not only the recognition, but the miracles. Sometimes we even forget that the Savior desires us to have miracles in our lives. But remember that miracles follow the believer. They don't make one. Commandment number nine. Don't discount the help that comes, no matter the source. We've all heard the story of the man caught in a flood, standing on the top of his house, praying that the Lord would help him. Along comes a couple of boats and a helicopter with the needed help, but the man refuses, saying that the Lord will help him. Finally, he drowns and goes to heaven, and he asks the Lord why he didn't save him. The answer was, of course, that the Lord sent the boats and the helicopter. Why didn't he see them as the help the Lord sent? Now, I've found that help comes in many forms, from the miracle of priesthood blessings and healings to a kind friend willing to listen to medications and scientific research. While we need to be careful about temporary help and remaining within the bounds the Lord has set, we should not discount the help that is available because we are looking for something else. We can often overlook the help we need quickly, discounting it because it didn't come in the way we expected. We often have reached conclusions about the manner the Lord sends help, and we stick to these limiting remedies. We should be open to help, no matter the source, as long as that help, again, does not interfere with our covenants. Commandment number 10, and our final one for today. Find the why. What do I mean by this? The Lord has given you this weakness for a specific purpose. And he will, over time, reveal that purpose to you as you lesson and ask. We should seek the why, even if it takes a lifetime to obtain. By seeking the why, we can come to peace with our illness and find great healing. When we understand the purpose, the nights and days just don't seem so dark, and we can see our value to the Lord. When we understand the why, we can see our value. Finally, don't give up. I know that I say that in almost every podcast, and I mean it. The fight is real, but is also really worth it. The one thing I always take comfort in is that the scriptures teach that the Savior learned by the things he suffered. Trials with the right influence are celestializing events. The Savior has given you this illness not to destroy you, but to lift you to exaltation. I know that that is difficult to rec reconcile in our mortal minds and at a, according to our current state, I still struggle at times. But if the Savior learned to be celestial by the things he suffered, then why shouldn't someone like me be any different and perhaps need it even more than he? If the Savior didn't care for you, he would leave you alone to live in ignorance and bliss as ignorance and bliss tend to lead to a selfish celestial life. He will always allow for suffering that leads to eternal life. However, the key to success is to obtain the Nephi perspective and avoid the Laman and Lemuel perception. I always return to 1 Nephi 17 when I get too wrapped up in my illness. We have in that chapter two opposing ends of the spectrum when it comes to trials, and it demonstrates that our attitude makes all the difference. Nephi states, upon looking back at his journey through the wilderness, that he could see the hand of the Lord blessing him. Laman and Lemuel saw the exact same trials and stated that they were of no value to them, as they would have been happier in Jerusalem. Our quest is to see the blessings of the Savior, rather than the would-have-been-happier syndrome. 
Is that difficult? Yes. But the Savior can help us see those blessings if we but ask. May the Lord bless you this week. And as always, do your part so that the Lord can do his. Until next week.